Hey, it's Sky Brothers here. View from the cheap seats this week. We have an unbelievable guest. Uh, he played for in the NFL, had over ten thousand six hundred yards rushing, and now he's got a great acting career. He's Thomas Q. Jones. Man, did you have fun on the show? Man, I had a blast on this show. Thank we you so much deep. for inviting me. Yeah, we got super deep, man. It was early in the morning out here in the West Coast. Man, Listen, y'all, got man, my, y'all got my brain working early, man. Talk so. Issues. I'm yeah. talking issues. I'm saying, look, we got so deep, we put her butt to sleep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. P.R.A. Public Radio America. You're smarter already. This week on Your Welcome, we meet a woman who holds the law of the lands in her sweaty hands. Then we take a look at a revolutionary approach to the penal system without laughing at the word penal. Finally, we meet a diligent activist in the war against wardrobes, the conflict against clothes that constrict. All this and retractions today on... You're welcome. Welcome to your welcome. I'm Stefan Hyphenstraitman, and I never know if I'm supposed to hug a tree or go in for an uncomfortably long handshake. Our top story. What makes the Supreme Court supreme? Is it the addition of tangy red sauce and sour cream? Or after-hours karaoke renditions of 60s standards like Baby Love and You Keep Me Hangin' On? No or at least not exclusively. No, the supremacy of the Supreme Court comes from its highest rank atop our federal judicial system. They receive literally every complaint ever placed into a complaint box. They interpret the Constitution into easy-to-digest rulings like yes, no, or mostly. Where most judges are addressed as your honor, Supreme Court justices are addressed as the honor, or everyone's honor, or the more formal Mr. Your Honor. With the ultimate interpretation of American law determined by the nine Supreme Court justices, taxpayers like you would hope that those appointed officials would be apparent and readily available to the public eye. But recently, PRA's intrepid reporters have discovered from PRA's unpaid research interns that the Supreme Court of the United States has a tenth secret justice who shows up to the courthouse every day waits around in case one of the justices calls in sick, gets paid an unspeakable amount of taxpayer dollars, and then clocks out and goes home, having never determined so much as a parking ticket to be constitutional. Believe it. After several attempts to reach her via Skype, email, phone, fax, and snail mail, she finally reached out via private helicopter and whisked me away for an exclusive one-on-one interview on an undisclosed rooftop of a skyscraper she owns. That's how much money she makes. That's how much money I make. (laughs) That's Marjorie Stem, alternate justice of the Supreme Court. She specifically wanted us to gesture towards how much money she makes. It's a lot. (laughs) I'm getting that, yes. I make more than your parents made after their entire lifetimes were spent trying to provide for you. (laughs) That is a very effective way to express that thought. The nine major Supreme Court justices are nominated by the President and confirmed by Congress. The alternate justice, most recently Marjorie, is nominated by the President's dog, or in absence of a dog, a cat, 
and then confirmed by Congress. Yep. I was instated by good old Reagan back in 85. I mean, specifically, I was, uh, it was Reagan's dog, Rex. Rex and I always got along. He waddled up to me, sniffed my knee, and I knew right away I was going to get the nomination over that stupid broad from Arizona, Doris Day O'Donnell or whatever that was. <laughs> Are you referring to Sandra Day O'Connor? Oh, yeah, that was her. Do you know her? She was a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, but she wasn't an alternate Supreme Court justice. That's the sweet life. Uh, she had to show up to work every day, make all those, like, what, deliberations and rulings? You know how the old saying in D.C. goes, when you make decisions, you make, come on, say it with me, I am not familiar with this saying. Wrinkles! When you make decisions, you make wrinkles. I mean, look at me. I've never once had to weigh in on anything, and I don't look a day over. Are you asking me to finish that sentence, too? <laughs> okay, careful. Careful what you say, Stefan, or I'll hold you in contempt. <laughs> just kidding. Point is, weighing in weighs on your skin. I just came up with that. Ah. Uh. Now, to follow up on... I might write a book, Beauty Tips from Alternate Justice Marjorie Stem, by Alternate Justice Marjorie Stem. Yes, to follow up or on... Or maybe justice is blind, but your date sure won't be. So look nice. Something like that. Right, to follow up on... If you think of a better title, do reach out and run it by me sometime. I sure will. To follow up on a statement you just made, you mean to say that in 30 years you have never once participated in a Supreme Court ruling? Well, not on an official one. No, not once. Never. Nope. 30 years of crossword puzzles and crunches, and I know what you're thinking. No, I still don't have a title for your book on beauty No, tips. no, no. You're thinking... What's the point, right? Why am I here? Well, I'll tell you. Because I've literally had decades to think of answers to that question. Democracy is a fragile thing, and you can tell by looking at the other justices. They're a bunch of mummies. Those honors are goners. <laughs> Have you seen Scalia recently, that guy's one big walking hip replacement? Ooh. And I mean barely walking. He hasn't seen the knees God gave him in 17 years, but then who am I to judge? I haven't seen my original nose since 1994. <laughs> you said, who am I to judge? But you are literally a Supreme Court justice. Alternate. And because I'm an alternate, it's on me to stay in good shape so I can step in for Ginsburg if he falls down a well, or Thomas if he locks himself in a closet without a cell phone, or Roberts if he cuts himself shaving and it gets infected. That last one was very specific. Well, like I said, tons of time to think about this stuff. So anyway, I'm always doing cardio in the court's green room so I can stay fit and jump in there, ready to go at a moment's notice. Pilates, a little spin if I'm in the mood, but whoever is, am I right? <laughs> what exactly is the proper way to formally address you? Oh, well, there's a couple ways. Your alternate honor, the potentially honorable, or Miss Maybe. I see. What is your background in the legal system? <laughs> 
I am in the background of the legal system. <laughs> Aren't you listening? No, I mean, what are your qualifications for this position? Oh, right. I get you. Well, when I was a kid in Carthage, Missouri, I was a terrible liar. The nuns used to call me Marjorie Perjury, and I thought... What the hell does perjury mean? So I went to law school to find out. Then in the 80s, I got this daytime TV show in St. Louis. Gained some popularity. A daytime talk show? Well, no, not really. I mean, there was talking. Everyone talked. I talked for most of it. I can believe that. It was one of those court shows, you know, like Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown. It was called Judgy Judge Marjorie. My catchphrase was sustained. Is it? Technically a catchphrase if it's just something a judge normally says? <laughs> yeah, of course, if you say it with enough sass. Like, <gasps> sustained! Try it. No. And instead of a gavel, I used a stiletto pump. So after a few years, I guess the Reagans became fans. Specifically, Rex Reagan the dog. <laughs> yep, you're catching on. Well... Your alternate honor, I know your time is very valuable. No, it's not. I thought you were finally catching on. Well, my time is uh, relatively valuable. <laughs> well, fair enough. Or should I say, I'll allow it. <laughs> right. Judge talk. So I have just one final question for you. Do you ever feel a distinct regret over your relatively outsider perspective on the Supreme Court's legal proceedings? I, I mean, do you ever experience a fear of missing out, or FOMO, as the kids call it? Huh. God, I don't get that question a lot, or ever. You know, in the past 30 years, well, I mean, I don't know, you know, there was this one time, I think it was maybe 2004 or 2005, Kennedy came into the green room looking confused, you know, and a bit demented as usual. He said, hey, Marjorie, we're gonna order a pizza. What do you think for toppings? And I said, well, you know, what does everyone else think? And I followed him into the courthouse with all that history, you know, as old as America itself. And all ten of us looked over the takeout menu for Tony Brothers Pizza. That's where Thomas Jefferson used to order pizza from, you know. And Rehnquist said, pepperoni. And Ginsburg said, sausage. Of course he did. And we went back and forth, you know. And Clarence Thomas said he didn't eat pizza. Who the hell doesn't eat pizza? That guy is such an ass. So it was split four to four. And it came down to me. And I said... <sighs> I said, you can get both with the meat lover's pizza. And that was it. <laughs> it came down in favor of meat lovers five to four in a landmark ruling pepperoni versus meat lovers. Meat love won that day. Meat love won that day all because of me. And I thought, that's felt nice. My God. And what happened after that? Well, you know, I can't just start going in there every day and deciding stuff. I have an Etsy business making jewelry with fishing lines and beads. I've got tons of orders to send out. So, you know, every day is an opportunity. To make necklaces at the Supreme Court? Well, earrings, mostly. I call them court hearings. With that, alternate honor Marjorie Stem dropped me off on top of our Public Radio America flagship station, and her helicopter began the long, lonely journey back to Washington, D.C., it took me three hours to figure out how to get down from there. PRA and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by 
Tony Brothers Pizza, a landmark Italian restaurant to the stars of American politics. Whenever you're in the D.C. area, pop into their Pennsylvania Avenue location, or place an order for delivery by phone or by petition. Our next story. America's prison system has bad energy. No, we're not talking about their faulty wiring, because that's relatively hopeless, and besides, power outages in prisons have become far less of a pressing issue since the electric chair has gone out of fashion. Marcus Knowles, may God have mercy on your soul. Wow, uh, that was actually a lot more humane than I thought it was going to be. You ain't dead, Marcus. Shut up. This damn stupid chair's fizzled out again. Uh, sorry, Warden. I think maybe somebody in the kitchen's using the microwave. They don't work at the same time. Maybe this is a sign from God? Now, he just said it was the damn microwave, Marcus. Give it a rest. No, the bad energy we refer to here is the chi, or cumulative life force, found in prisons. At least, that's according to Eastern philosophy. Hi, I'm Jack Eastern. And I'm Rochelle Eastern. And, and we're Eastern Life Energy Solutions Incorporated. And we're married. <laughs> <laughs> yep. To each other for ten wonderful years. Plus two years of marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> we can joke about it, can't we? It's, yeah. it's such a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Privatized prison firms throughout the country have just signed a walloping $1.6 million contract with Eastern Life Energy Solutions Incorporated, giving them access to minimum, maximum, super maximum, and maximum, super maximum security prisons all across the country in a project they're calling Operation Incarceration Stabilization. The whole point of our company is showing people that there's an alternative to negative energy, even in places that people are literally forced to stay forever. There's a better life available as long as you can rearrange your life to improve your life. Mm-hmm. See, me and Rochelle are like a yin and yang. That's why we're qualified to talk about feng shui. Our mission statement is something about moving furniture around to move the flow of ions and affect the polarity or polarization or whatever of a living space. That's word for word. And to the inmates who reside in these prisons, which we call self-improvement incubators, that little concrete cell is home. And everyone wants to curate their home to manifest the best possible energy. That's where we come in. Jack and Rochelle are interior decorators who heard about feng shui for the first time two years ago and learned how to properly pronounce it one year ago. When they discovered their profession was loosely tied to a spirituality they could vaguely comprehend, they saw an opportunity to change the world, starting with their world and how much money they make. When you think about it, what? Are you going to spend that money on a billion dollars on physically rehabilitating these buildings or a million dollars on rehabilitating their auras? It just makes good fiscal sense and something about auras and the, the soul and stuff. Yeah. So everybody wins. The Eastern's proposal involves going into each individual cell, preferably when the inmates are not there and rearranging all the furnishings to improve the flow of forces that bind the universe and consequently reinforce positive energy in the inmates. 
it's a challenge. And we'll be the first to admit it. It's a real opportunity for overcoming adversity because before we took on this contract, we honestly didn't realize that most of the furniture in prison cells were, um, were basically mounted in place, like um, bolted down. For uh, safety purposes. Ew, for the purpose of safety. And hey, safety first, but what if a toilet is bolted down in direct violation of due north? <laughs> we're just supposed to roll with it? Yeah. And, and how can incense be used as a weapon? I mean, can somebody explain that to me? <laughs> yeah, a weapon against seasonal depression, maybe. <laughs> if shanking seasonal depression is a crime, then put me in jail. But wait until after Eastern Life Energy Solutions Incorporated gets in there and plugs me into the positive intention of the universe. Here's a clip of Jack and Rochelle Eastern walking the warden of Knox Penitentiary through a prototype vibe cell. So, here we are. Home sweet home. Uh-huh. Couldn't help but notice the, uh, the bunk beds are gone. And, uh, there's a bunch of swinging ropes over there. Well, <laughs> that's the hammock network. Now, guests of Knox Penitentiary can sleep with their bodies at rest in a cradle made of hemp rope. It's like Mother Gaia giving them a cuddle puddle. Yeah, but see... Do you Now, do you not understand how inmates could use these ropes to hang themselves, or each other, or me? They won't want to. They will be at peace. What? What is this? Now, holy God in heaven, town, is this a sword hanging on the wall? <laughs> it's... It's pointing north. It's hanging north, Warden. It's pointed due north. Magnet. Polarization and magnetized energy, Warden. But, but like, they, they could use that sword on, on me. Do you see what I'm saying here? Well, I hope that they would use its energy. That's the point. It's there to channel positive ions. Steel is a good conductor. It is a weapon. Why does it have to be a sword? Because they come from Asia. Did you really not know that? Now, uh, what is that goddamn hole doing there in the wall? It lets in natural light. Ultimately, only time will tell whether the Easterns will revolutionize our nation's penal system through putting stuff in different places. But they remain optimistic in a way that is completely in line with their personal brand. Every day. A prisoner commits suicide in an American prison. Since we began our feng shui project, prisoners have stopped killing themselves to focus their attention on plotting their escapes and coming after us. And that success rate is at 1,000%. You can't argue with those results. Everyone needs goals, especially in self-improvement incubators. I'm... Are we heroes? Yes. And our goal is... Hear someone say that on our behalf, just once. We're putting that out into the universe. If there's one thing Feng Shui has taught us. The universe is simple. Even simpler than us. PRA and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by the newest app. Download this new app and use it until the next new app. Then feel free to stop using that app that was up until... 
that most recent app, the newest app. The newest app. It never gets old. Our next story, clothing. Do you hate it? Some people do, including this somebody. Chartreuse Bell Jar has the story. Statistics show that most of the time, once someone has been arrested for a crime, they do not commit it again. Some folks, however, have more trouble steering away from the law. One such person is Melina Hilt of Philadelphia, who has been arrested multiple times for public nudity. Melina just got released from prison for the seventh time and is wearing, well, nothing. Hi, Melina. Before we get started, would you mind um covering up for the interview? Yeah, I would mind. In fact, mm. uh, how about this palm tree frond? Could you just uh... mm, fine there? Okay, well, now I'm talking to a human palm tree. I guess I did that to myself. Now, Melina, you have been arrested over and over and over and over again for public nudity. I I have to ask, mostly because it's right in front of me. Why nudity? It's simple. I mean, really, like, this is how we're made. We're born without clothes. It's natural, and I think we should live that way. Also, I'm allergic to all fabrics. Hmm. I see. Uh, is this an allergy that can be treated by a medical professional? No, there's no cure. Really, I break out in full body rashes that burn and itch. It's the way I was born. The only solution I've been offered by a professional is to wear plastic, and that wall is extremely uncomfortable, like not breathable at all. Traps in the sweat. You make squeaky sounds as you walk. That sounds like my personal nightmare. Is there really no other option? They've tried body paint, but that crackles when you spend a lot of time outdoors, which is mostly what I do. I'm a street canvasser. Oh, you mean the clipboard people? Yeah, we have clipboards, but we also have missions: save the animals, save the planet, save your city. How am I supposed to maintain a job living the way I do? Who will save your soul? I don't know. Not the justice system. That's for sure. And what happens when you get arrested? Do they、um, cover you? It's awful. They throw a sheet over me. Oh my god, it burns. That I can imagine. And with all this happening over and over again, I have to ask: Is you or someone you know providing the bailout money? Well, that's another can of worms. Each time I'm bailed out by someone new. For example, when I got arrested as a sign spinner, these chicks supporting the body image movement bailed me out. Oh yes, I, I see a tweet here that says, "Free Melina, she's fighting for body positive living." I'm just trying to live with this body. No mission here. I actually see another tweet here that reads: "Melina takes a stand. She's rejecting clothes made in capitalist pig sweatshops." Yeah, those folks bailed me out during my brief stint in window washing. Yikes! I mean, good for you. That is a terrifying job. I just want to live my life comfortably and in the nude. That's all. Have you like tried living in the nude? Me,、uh, I'm sorry. Have you tried it? I see that you're wearing a lot of layers. Yes. Well, I burn easily and hate the feeling of sunscreen on my skin. What if you just? What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, oh, oh okay. Oh my gosh, you're 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 frond. 
screw the front there. Just one button undone at the top of your neck. How do you feel, Chartreuse? I I did not like that whole transaction, but, um, well, I can feel a breeze, and that is nice. Here, just seven more buttons from uh, what I guess at least is four more layers away from being a nudist. After buttoning back up, I decided that Melina did in fact have an agenda, mostly a direct one with myself. I'm not sure what her work solution may be, but I don't see her changing her ways anytime soon. I'm Chartreuse Beljar, and I love turtlenecks. Public Radio America and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by Wild Horses. You can catch Wild Horses the first Saturday of every month at Upright Citizens Brigade Franklin. That just about wraps it up, but first, we're right all the time, except for when we are not. So here are this week's retractions. His name is not pronounced Jimmy Buffet, and he did not invent the all-you-can-eat buffet, or the margarita. The human body does not store extra saliva in your ears, nor in anyone else's ears. Not all hats can be classified as top hats simply because they go on top of the head. Southwest Airlines is actually capable of flying in all possible directions. We are up to 2.6% of our Public Radio America pledge drive. Donors at the $12 level are forced to adopt a rescue ant farm. It is a huge responsibility. Thank you for having us on in the background while you drive. Special thanks to special correspondent Aaron Whitehead, along with research interns Madeline Wager, Levi Petrie, Eric Stoles, and BJ Emery, along with in-studio banana peeler Zane Grant. I'm Stefan Hyphen-Straitman saying thank you and you're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by feralaudio.com, fiercely independent podcasts, home of Harmontown, Call Chelsea Peretti, Mystic Party, and more. You can donate at our show page at feralaudio.com or use our Amazon affiliate link when shopping on Amazon. R.A. Public Radio America. It's like a tote bag for your ears. Feral Audio. I can't believe how cold it is. It's so cold in branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.